0: Pastor Xavier Reese with just the facts of the simple truth of the gospel.
1: Jesus has been dividing men from the beginning of time. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. Either you are born into the kingdom or you're not. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's a radical statement. Either you have accepted Christ or you have rejected him. There's no effort but about it.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. From time to time, you hear a person say that some particular experience has given them a whole new outlook on life. Well, in the case of the Apostle Paul, following an encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, you might say that would be an understatement. As Pastor Xavier continues now in a series we've just begun in the book of Galatians, we'll hear the impact of Paul's conversion, not just on himself, but also on those all around him touched by his ministry. Let's listen. Galatians
1: 1, verses 18 through 24, and the message is entitled, The Acid Test of Life is Time. Paul the Apostle was forever being followed by the Judaizers in an attempt to make proselytes of those converts of the gospel of Jesus Christ this was a normal scenario in the ministry of Paul he calls them men pleasers in chapter 1 verse 10 he calls them false brethren in chapter 2 verse 4 he calls them opportunists in chapter 4 verse 17 and he calls them leaven and hinderers of the faith in chapter 5, verse 7 and 9. And he calls them bolsters in and of the flesh in chapter 6, verse 13. Straightforward. <laughs> you're going to find as you read more and more of the gospel from the New Testament, completely the gospel as well as the epistles, you're going to find out that Paul was a man who was either loved tremendously or hated. And that's usually what happens with people that don't compromise. You can't stand in the middle. Paul was this type of individual. Now, you also have to understand that Paul had a unique calling of God, and he was to be just what God called him to be. And this is where we have to accept ourselves as to who we are. What has God called me to be? What has he gifted me? Where has he called me to? And to do exactly what God has called me to be without worrying about what everybody else thinks about it. Now, I have to examine myself within the Scriptures to make sure that I'm not off the wall, and I say, well, I don't care what anybody says because the boundary the Scriptures tell me. But I have to be what God has called me to be, to be effective and to be of benefit to the body of Christ. Paul here pens his own autobiographical section in the first two chapters in order to establish beyond any shadow of a doubt the genuineness of his gospel and apostleship being independent of man and dependent on God alone. The independence of his gospel is recorded in chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. The independence of his apostleship is recorded next in verses 15 through 17. And then Paul records that time bore witness of his gospel and apostleship as both being independent of man, being acknowledged in three regions. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. Let me read this section to you there, verses 18 through 24. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by faith to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorify God in me. The record that Paul bears here regarding The witness of both his gospel and the apostleship As both being independent of man Was acknowledged in three regions First, Paul's apostleship was acknowledged in Damascus The first part of verse 18 Secondly, Paul's apostleship was acknowledged in Jerusalem Verses 18 through 20 And then thirdly, Paul's apostleship was acknowledged in Judea Verse 21 Through 24. Now, if his apostleship is acknowledged, his gospel has to also. They're both tied together. Let's begin here with Paul's independent apostleship. It was acknowledged in Damascus. Notice the first part of verse 18. First of all, by Paul preaching during three years in Damascus. Then, after three years, and this refers back. To the Arabia and Damascus experience of the previous verse. They're tied together. So we need some supplementary or complementary material. The book of Acts is a great book in that it helps us to understand some of Paul's journeys. Now, Acts chapter 9 will help us in this area right here in our first point. In Acts 9, beginning verse 20 through 22. As you know, Paul has just been arrested on the Damascus Road by Jesus Christ. In verse 20, it says, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Paul immediately preached to the Jews the Christ of God in the synagogues. This was Paul's practice all the time. He always went to the Jew first, and after they rejected him or persecuted him, he went Where? To the Gentiles. Why? He calls himself the Apostle of the Gentiles. Now, the word here, preach, as you know, we've covered it many times, As caruso. It's used 61 times in the New Testament. It, it means a, a one who proclaims. It was used of, of a king who would hire a, a professional proclaimer, or, or the city would hire a professional to make declarations. Now, the message was given to the individual, the authority was given to the individual, and all he was responsible was to proclaim it. He was never responsible for the response. This is the word that is used for one who preaches the gospel, a herald. Jesus had revealed the gospel directly to Paul. He's already told us that on the road to Damascus. We see it here in Acts, but he also told us in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Because first of all, he had to establish that his gospel was divine. It was not of human origin. That's important. God had revealed his son in Paul that he might preach Jesus among the Gentiles, and he did that immediately. And he did not confer with flesh and blood, Galatians 1.16 says. Because the Judaizers were saying, listen, Paul is a substandard apostle. He wasn't one of the 12. And he's got it from men. And he's changed it. The reality was the reverse. So Paul had to establish that he never even received it from the 12 apostles. He never even saw them as he will see. But he received it directly from Revelation of Jesus Christ now notice in verse 20 still of Acts he proclaimed that Jesus was a son of God this is, implies that God had taken on a human body and as you know John 1 1 and 1 14 says in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word became flesh in verse 14 and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so as Paul is proclaiming him to be the son of God he is declaring that God took on a human flesh Now, you know that that's why they crucified Jesus, right? The Jews crucified Jesus in Matthew 26, 63 through 66, because he made himself to be the Son of God, God himself. That's why they crucified him. Paul was ministering the Gospels that he was the Son of God. He amazed those in Damascus, verse 21, says of Acts, for he knew, or they knew, who he was. Paul had once destroyed Christians who called on the name of Jesus. In Jerusalem, verse 21 tells us that, but you can also cross-reference that with Galatians 1.13. Paul says, my former conduct, they knew. How I persecuted Christians and I destroyed the church. So we get it from both ends, Acts and Galatians here. Paul, in fact, had come to Damascus to bind them, the Christian, and to return them to the priest. Verse 21 of Acts tells us that. And so verse 22 says that he confounded the Jews at Damascus by proving that this Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. You know, it's just like some of you. You guys were out there, the party animal, whatever you were doing, and all of a sudden you got born again. I mean, you genuinely got born again, and you confounded the minds of some people. Now let me say this. If your change would have come about through a 12-step program, if your change would have come about through some therapy or whatever it may be, they would have no problem with it. But because your change has come through the power of Jesus Christ, they have a big problem with you. They are confounded. They are amazed. You see, we live in a world where people don't want anything to do with God. Nothing at all. They trust so much in man. They don't have any problem with man. Their problem is with God. Now notice, secondly, also by Paul's persecution by the Jews who plotted to kill him. Verses 23 and 24 of Acts here. In verse 23, the phrase, after many days being passed, refers to the end of the three-year period. So Acts tells us that he got arrested by Jesus Christ, being converted. He went to Damascus. And he's going to tell us later on it was three years And right here, after many days, which means the end of those three years, then he tells us what happened here. The Jews plotted to kill Paul. The plot was persistent as they watched the gates day and night. That gives you the idea of persistency, day and night. They no longer saw Paul as the Pharisee, the number one enemy against Christians. They saw him as a Jewish traitor. You know how it is. When when I was born again, you know, my family at first says, oh, you've changed your religion. And there's an attitude, right? When you walk in a room, the air is tense, right? Why is that? Jesus has been dividing men from the beginning of time. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. Either you are born into the kingdom or you're not. Either you have accepted Christ or you have rejected him. There's no effort but about it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's some radical statement. Now, people talk about being narrow-minded. Jesus is pretty narrow-minded. But let me tell you who he is. He's God. And if he's narrow-minded, he knows why because he is the only way to God, being God himself. Notice thirdly in verse 25 of Acts, also by Paul's escape from Damascus, as the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. Now, we not only have it here, but remember 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 32 and 33, he tells us that also. So you have now the corroborating evidence complementing what's going on not only in Galatians here but also in 2 Corinthians and we see it in Acts is there a contradiction? no both accounts attest to Damascus being the place Acts Corinthians as well as Galatians both accounts attest it was Saul both accounts attest to being aided by disciples Acts and Galatians Luke in Acts places the emphasis on the Jews behind the plot. Paul in Corinthians places the emphasis on the authority of Aretas the king as the instrument to accomplish it. The emphasis is different. Are not the Gospels, the synoptic Gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke different in emphasis? Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. The key word is this was done in fulfillment of. Mark portrays him as the son of man. It's a very rapid call. Immediately after that, key words. And then Luke presents him as the son of man. And so they all present him in their unique perspective. Different perspectives, the same person. And so this was his first visit to Jerusalem. Since his conversion three years previous, as we come to Galatians, right here, Paul had never been to Jerusalem since he had met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Three years have passed, so Paul's independent apostleship was acknowledged in Damascus for how long? Three years. Paul didn't right away rush back and say, Hey, you guys, you know what happened? Boy, I'm one of you guys. Paul was not concerned with being one of the guys. So Paul's independent apostleship was acknowledged in Damascus for three years. Now notice secondly, verses 18 through 20, Paul's independent apostleship was acknowledged in Jerusalem. Notice first in verse 18. And after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him 15 days. First of all, by Peter, who was the leading apostle. Peter was the apostle who Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 16, 16. He says, you are, your name is Cephas, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and to you I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. He was the very apostle who Jesus came to in John 21, 15 through 17, and he restored him after he had denied the Lord three times, and three times he asked him, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, shepherd them. His name appears first in all the lists that are recorded in the New Testament. His proclamation at Pentecost gave him credibility. He fulfilled the commission of Jesus, the keys of the kingdom. His name is prominent for the first 12 chapters in Acts until Paul comes about, and then Paul takes over. His name means rock in the Greek, Cephas, stone in Aramaic. He was one of the pillars of the church, as Paul will tell us in Galatians 2.9, along with John. Now, Paul, on the other hand, was the apostle who Jesus chose as a chosen vessel, that he might bear his name before the Gentiles and the children of Israel. Acts 9.15 tells us that. As a matter of fact, in chapter 2, he's going to tell us, to Cephas he gave him the ministry of the circumcision, to me, uncircumcision. You see, he was a apostle of the Gentiles. Now, Paul attempted to join himself to the disciples in Jerusalem, but they were afraid. They did not believe that he was a true apostle. Acts 9, 26 tells you that. They thought he was an undercover Pharisee. Paul was then brought by the apostle Barnabas. Barnabas gave testimony of his conversion and his commission, Acts 9, 27 tells us, how he had seen the Lord on the road of Damascus, how Jesus had spoken to Paul, and how Paul had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Who do you think is the greatest discipler in the New Testament? Let me suggest to you as Barnabas. Every time you hear about Barnabas, he's taking a chance on another person. He's discipling them. Now, does that mean Paul was wrong? No. Paul, let's compare him to a foot. God called Paul to be a foot, so Paul walked. Barnabas called to be an ear, so he heard. Now, if God has called you to be an ear, don't be telling the foot how to walk. And don't be telling everybody that they got to be like you. They got to be an ear. No. You do what God has called you to do and to be, and don't worry about the rest of the body. Very important. Paul was preaching at Jerusalem with them, Acts 9, 28 tells us. So he came to Jerusalem. Nobody wanted to take a chance on him. Barnabas says, come on. And he introduces them, as we'll see to Peter and James, the Lord's brother. So as he's preaching with them, as Acts nine twenty eight says, is there any contradiction between the book of Acts and Galatians? No. Paul is focusing on people who acknowledge his apostleship in Galatians, where Luke and Acts focuses on the historical details, and thank God we have those details. Now, if we didn't have those details I've just given you, would it mean that Paul would be lying here? Of course not. But thank God we have those details. But there's other details that we don't have. So are we worried about them? I'm not. Not at all. Paul went to Jerusalem to see, he says. To see Peter. The word see, we get our word history from it. The visit had the purpose of knowing and inquiring about each other. The visit, without doubt had the purpose of inquiring about their life history in Christ 3 years since Paul's born again experience 3 years since he encountered Jesus Christ in the road to Damascus and now he comes to Jerusalem he's been chased out we already read 2 Corinthians right let down through a basket we'll see that later on and all of a sudden here is Paul he's visiting And he's talking. What's the most normal thing? You start inquiring, hey, how was it when you were with the Lord? What did he teach you? But he's already established before this in the first chapter of Galatians that his gospel did not come from man. So he did not go to talk to Peter to say, hey, can you teach me the gospel? He's already established. Jesus gave it to him. But they are inquiring as to the ministry and to their own apostleship. It's common sense. It's natural. The entire account implies an equal standing in apostleship. And Paul will confirm this in chapter 2 when he says, I got in Peter's face because he acted like a hypocrite. Whoa. Pope Peter, put down by Paul. Interesting. Now notice, secondly, by James, who was the leading authority of the church in Jerusalem. Verse 19. But I saw none other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. He was the recognized authority in the first church council in Acts 15, 13. It doesn't mean that he was the, the only one, but he was the recognized authority at that time. Now notice thirdly that Paul's independent apostleship was acknowledged in Jerusalem for 15 days also by the Hellenists who attempted to kill Paul. And we don't get this here. We get it in Acts 9:29. And they plotted to kill him because, first of all, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul was an incredible guy because he disputed against the Hellenists, which meant to question, to reason, and examine together. Paul dared people to challenge the Scriptures. Let's check them out. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. Let's see what they say. That's important, people. That's honest investigation. Their conclusion due to their disputing was that they had to kill him. The entire record of all that Paul has declared, he qualifies as being the absolute truth in verse 20. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. This is a common phrase of Paul. Romans 9.1, 2 Corinthians 1.23, 2 Corinthians 11.31, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5. I lie not before God. Paul was an incredible guy. Now, if Paul was alive today, the majority of pastors and Christians would say, you know, don't, don't get that guy Paul as a guest speaker. You know, he riles people up. You know, I mean, you know, he just, he just gets people worked up. And by, by the way, I've heard he's been in the can a couple of times, so I don't, I don't know if we can, you know, he's been in jail. Paul's independent apostleship was acknowledged in Jerusalem for 15 days. Listen, that's all they that could take him. That says a lot about Paul. It also says a lot about the others. We live in a day and an age when we need to be light and not compromise. I am not speaking about going out of our way to be idiots and to just upset people. I'm talking about being lights. I'm talking about being what God has called us to be. That's all I'm talking about.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up the first part of a message entitled The Acid Test of Life is Time, with a challenge to stand for your faith in whatever situation you find yourself in. Now, there's much more to come from this study, and we hope you'll make it back for the conclusion. But if you already think you may want a copy of it in order to delve more in depth, we have some available upon request. Or maybe you'd like to pass it along to someone else you know. Well, just contact us and ask for it by title, The acid Test of Life is Time. They're available on CD for just $4. To get in touch, address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, let us know the call letters of this station as well, so that we can process your request more efficiently. That'd be a great help. Thank you. If Christianity were a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? More on the life example of Paul on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese.